Welcome to the Ethical Consumer Podcast. I'm your host, Julia Abbott. Join me for weekly chats with food and beverage brands, because caring about the process behind your food should be just as important as enjoying it. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Ethical Consumer Podcast. I'm your host, Julia, and I am here today with Peter Awad of Mission Meats. Welcome, Peter. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm pretty all right. The snow is melting. The sun is shining. I'm here in Iowa, so that makes me happy. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Where are you based right now? I'm in Southern California. Southern California. So you are usually bright and sunny and lacking snow. <laughs> usually. Usually. That's the hope. That, yeah, how was the past yeah, two I weeks? I spent 12 years in Iowa, so I, um, I, I, I know what it's like. You understand. You get the picture. So you were yeah. originally you born and raised in the Midwest. Is that correct? No, I was born and raised in Florida, so okay. just like the Midwest, but but not, not quite. <laughs> but like not at all. <laughs> so we hopped from Florida. What did the rest of your life look like? You've been East Coast, you've been Midwest, you've been West Coast. What was your upbringing like, and how did that lead you to Mission Meats? Yeah, uh, grew up immigrant family. I'm Egyptian. Both my parents, you know, came to the States, clothing on their back, that whole bit. Um, grew up in a grocery store and started working there when I was seven. I think I got paid five bucks a day or something until I was, you know, early teenager, probably 13 or something like that. Mm. Um, and so um, loved growing up in the store. I mean, for me, like business is kind of just like in my DNA. It's in my blood. And um, I always loved like the whole idea of buying something for 40 cents and selling it for a dollar, you know. And it's no um, kind of uh, surprise I ended up in e-commerce because it's really it's the same thing, right? I mean, you're buying a product and you're, or you're making a product and you're trying to make some money on it, but you're also trying to, you know, get a, perform a service um, and build a clientele. And so that's, I mean, that's how I grew up. I grew up, you know, knowing the names of the customers that were coming in mm. and, um, and getting to know their, you know, their family. And um, I just, I, I loved every part of that business. And so... Did that in Florida, you know, growing up, and then moved from that into sales, and ended up in the Midwest, and, um, and five five and a half years ago started Mission Meats. Awesome. So Mission Meats is a line. I'll let you talk in detail about that, but uh, consumer packaged good, high quality, pure, no nitrates, no nasty things. Set of mm-hmm. sticks and jerkies. And you have bars, too, and the bars are kind of interesting because you do some some funky combo flavors that we'll talk about a little bit later. What was your first product when you launched Mission Meats? Just the, the uh, Tasty Original, right? The so Tasty Original. Very, the Tasty Original, right? It's very exciting. Um, so that was, our, that was our first SKU. Still really is the most popular, right? Because it's like, you know, you want to be adventurous and do something like eat some Carolina Reaper or some Habanero. <laughs> um, but you're not going to eat that on a regular basis usually, right? Unless you have no taste buds left. Um, or you just really like really spicy stuff or both. But um, So Tasty Original, that was our first SKU. Started with one palette of product. And that was an exciting day, right? But, um, you know, from there we've grown and um, have a s- suite of, flavors and different formats like you said like the bars and the jerky and stuff but um the tasty original was the was the first was our first baby cool so you do this along with your partner nick mccann 
So Mm -hmm. how did you and Nick start on this together? You kind of started, like you said, immigrant family, working hard, growing up. You enjoyed the idea of getting a product, appreciating it, being proud of it, and then passing it on to someone else in the act of service as well. Where, what was Nick's background? Yeah, his is completely different than mine as far as that, you know, but I'm like uh, engineering background and just love digital marketing. He's got, you know, um, he's an Aggie. He's got a, you know, he's got the degree in sustainable agriculture, meat sciences, uh, emphasis, um, but also um, just loves peddling product. He actually, you know, built a um, kind of supply chain system where he was connecting small time producers with. Um, with the customer mm-hmm. and so he's got you know he's got the business chops too to back him up he um, it's like like myself wanted to build a business that had a mission baked in and so from the very beginning we had you know a very similar moral code very similar idea on the type of business we wanted to build and um, like-minded in the fact that we wanted to support missions um, you know business uh, organizations in the states and internationally that are doing good things and so he had spent a bunch of time in Haiti I had my wife and I had spent some time in the Dominican Republic on a couple of mission trips um, we knew that we wanted a business that was doing good mm-hmm. and um, so him and I partnered up and kind of the rest is history so to speak cool and when was mission means actually founded or when did you and Nick have this idea 2015 was the official uh, founding year. Okay, got you. So you started yeah. out with the one product. It was the Tasty Original. Was it a stick, the jerky, or the bar? Stick. The stick, stick. Yeah. Okay, so like the OG Slim Jim, but way better. No nasties, <laughs> and you're probably you not going to find yours at a gas station. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, we hope. One can hope. Maybe someday. Do you? So right now you're only on e-commerce. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, our okay. website and Amazon and some other online retail partners, but we're, you know, strictly direct consumer. Sure. I suppose, like you said, in the beginning, you liked knowing the customers' names at the grocery stores. Do you see the subscription orders or do you see familiar names on the invoices yeah. that you start to recognize? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, That'd for be sure. so cool. So you've been in business now for, this will be the sixth year, 2015 and 2021. When did you decide to launch your, well, what came first, I guess? Was it a new line or was it a new flavor? New flavors. Flavors. Yeah. Yeah. Easiest way to iterate would be just some additional flavors, right, to the existing formats. And then from there, we moved to bars, um, which really, I mean, bar is like just a different kind of eating experience, but same ingredients, just doesn't have a casing on it. Sure. It doesn't have that same snap, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of like really the true protein bar, if you want to call it that. Um, and and then we moved into the jerky line. Okay, got you. Yeah. Did you did you decide kind of from the beginning between you and Nick? Did you want to have this full lineup, or did people start asking for it? What was your development like for that? Yeah, it's both a, a kind of an innate desire to continue to tinker, but mm-hmm. then also customer demand. Right? You want something spicier? Like we released the Carolina Reaper, which if you're not familiar is uh, officially unofficially the hottest pepper on the planet. Right? So they've got a couple other peppers that are in the mix that are not commercially available yet that are hotter but mm. the stuff's hot as crap right and <laughs> so um we released that kind of like as a just like a to fill a need but it was supposed to be a limited edition product um but since then it's been kind of a huge mover for us because evidently if you're not aware there's a lot of people that like to just completely melt their faces on food <laughs> um 
my brother is so, one of them so yes I, yeah. I am aware i i am not one of them i will take a oh, nibble and uh decide that i don't want to fear for my life so yeah. I'll stop but yeah <laughs> i like spicy but this i mean this stuff's like another level it's a yeah. whole another level yeah so is it like is it you really do feel like your face melting off. You start sweating. Does it have a flavor along with the spice, or is Delicious. the Carolina Reaper? It's still good. You still have the oh, flavor. Man, it's, then it's I so- can do that. Yeah. Well, here's the problem. It's actually that's actually worse because you eat it and you're like, oh, this, but this tastes good. Maybe <laughs> if I eat another bite, it will the, the you know the 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 hot lava that's in my mouth will go away, and it doesn't. It just gets worse <laughs> and worse. So I recorded myself eating a whole bag on Instagram. Oh God. Uh, and it was it it didn't end well. <laughs> were you were you okay? Was there a trip to the hospital or just a lengthy no, no, in the bathroom? No, no, no hospital. But there was like you know there was a lot there <laughs> was a lot of regret involved. Uh, oh man, that's yeah. that was my question. I posed to another one of our previous guests, uh, Small Axe Peppers Hot Sauce, which has kind of a similar vein where they originally were founded to do good, to give back to community gardens and people that wanted to grow the peppers in underprivileged neighborhoods. And I, I asked John Crotty, one of the, the founders, I was like, okay, so you're going to send me some of these hot sauces. Um, I need you to know that I'm not going to be okay with probably the hottest sauce. He's like, I promise you're good. It still has a flavor. You can still taste it. So that I'm down for. My brother likes the... Uh, What's it called? The bomb hot sauce, where it's like you literally dip oh. a tip of a toothpick in it yeah. and flavor an entire pot of sauce. That's a little much mm-hmm. for me. I've had a little I've had a little bit of that. A little that bit. Is, you don't want more than a little bit. That's No, that stuff is hot. It's hot as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too good. So we have the original, the tasty original, and then we have the um Ghost Reaper. Or Ghost Reaper? Was that it? Carolina, Carolina Reaper. Carolina Reaper. I'm getting mm-hmm. Carolina Reaper and Ghost Pepper confused. Pardon me. So yeah. what are some of the other flavor profiles? Do you have some sweet and tangies or some teriyakis in there? There's no, t- we're actually working on teriyaki. Um, we, our, our, our original jerky, so not the sticks of the bars, has got some of that kind of teriyaki-ish flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a jalapeno. We have habanero. We have a cracked pepper pork. Um, we have a pork stick that has a little bit of sugar in it. We don't have too much sugar in our products and actually has bacon. Um, so it's okay. pork and bacon stick. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some other ones in there. Uh, we have s- sriracha bacon jerky. Oh my goodness. Um, we have, we have Korean barbecue bacon jerky. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting some other ones, but yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Folks can go to the website and check it out. That's missionmeats.co. Yes. C-O, not com. C-O. I'm, I'm, I'm working on dot com. I just yeah, had a you're call getting the com? I, maybe. We'll see. Nice. We'll see. Put that M on there. <laughs> One more M in Mission Meats. That's right. <laughs> so when you started out, you said you wanted to have this business that was going to deliver a high-quality product and also be in service. You mentioned that um, Nick and his family had spent some time in Haiti. You had spent some time elsewhere as well. When did you get to incorporate the give back, the mission portion of Mission Meats? Was it right away, or did you take a little while to build capital for it? Day one. Day one. uh, Because I think that, you know... You know, Nick and I have got kind of the tithing mentality, and the, inter- the interesting thing about that is, and, and, and anytime you're giving, um, it's easy to say, "Oh, I'm going to give ten percent." When you're making ten bucks and give a dollar, it doesn't hurt that bad, right? So mm-hmm. It still feels like just it's a buck, 
Um, but as the numbers grow, it tends to hurt a little bit more, right? It's like hard to give that up unless you've earmarked it from the beginning. And so we were very intentional in earmarking from the beginning um, because of that. So then we just know like, hey, this cash, it's set aside. Um, and we're going to be given that percentage away, you know, from the beginning to the end. And so from, from day one, um, we've been, we've, we've had mission partners. Um, I've got a good friend of mine that is, her name's Jody. That's a, that's a, um, she's been in missions work for decades now. And so she helped connect us with, um, some programs that we could, you know, interview and potentially, um, um, partner with. So yeah, day one. Now you've had, have you had the same partners through the entire six years or have you added or changed? Do you switch it up ever or do you stay consistent with your mission partners? There, there have been a few consistent ones from day one. Um, there have been some that have rotated in and out. There's some that just needed like, you know, um, uh, assistance for a small period of time. Um, like there was some, uh, a program that was helping refugees that were crossing the border into Texas. And so mm-hmm. they needed um, some product and we shipped down to that, that center uh, as a one-time thing. So, um, yeah, we got a little bit, a mix of both. Cool. What does the project look like in Haiti? You, you, you're tackling deforestation in Haiti with the Bonzeb project. Is that how you mm-hmm. would say that? Yeah, yeah. So these are Nick's partners down there. Um, so he's taking the lead on those because he knows those folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, they, and he can speak to this more eloquently than I can, but, you know, um, deforestation has been an issue in Haiti, which causes mudslides, as we're all aware, if you're watching the news on some of the stuff that's happened over the last couple of decades. And so they've got a project that's it's really interesting because they they plant native prairie grasses which will mm-hmm. help with deforestation or at least you know keeping the the topsoil intact so you don't have the mudslides but then they harvest um they harvest some of that product um to um create businesses for some of the locals there um, and so you've got like a kind of a two-pronged approach where you're helping with the de- deforestation you're helping with the mudslides and stuff like that and at the same time you're creating um like real economic growth there so we got that project and he also has another organization that that he's working with that he's partnering with down there um that breeds goats um and he'll talk about it it's really interesting but like that's it's kind of a currency um like the number of goats you have is kind of like your 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 bankroll so to speak and so um and then it also you can feed yourself with that right and so they've got a project down there where they're they're um, breeding goats and helping people to breed goats um so that's that's what's going on in haiti that's awesome so you have a global partner and then you also partner with someone in its perspectives perspectives minneapolis transforming the lives of homeless mothers and their children yeah they've been around side one too yeah, yeah, we've and we've got quite a few that we work with intermittently. Mm-hmm. Um, Perspectives has been there probably since year, um, the end of year one or beginning of year two. I can't remember when they came on. Um, and uh, my family and I, we've got four kids. We've toured that facility. Um, they've been around almost thirty years, I believe. They're like in year twenty nine or something. Okay. And um, the statistics that they, they can spout are really kind of incredible. Um, and their focus is on bringing mothers and their ch- children off the streets. Um, giving them housings, helping them to rehabilitate them, and then teaching them some skills um, that they need in order to kind of like um, get up and get out of there mm-hmm. um, and, and, and really like transform their lives. Um, their rate of rescission rate is like incredible um, and um, is ins- insanely low. And um, they really like they're focused on folks not coming back. They're like you're not going to stay here forever and you're not coming back. Like you mm-hmm. are going to like 
you're going to build yourself up and you're really going to like transform your life. And so um, it's been really fun partnering with those guys. Cool. It has to be really gratifying to see, you know, the efforts that you're putting into it, it's a place that you're familiar with too. I don't, you said Nick's project is the Haiti project. You've not been mm-hmm. there, I assume. Mm-mm. No, but being no. able, you said you visited this, the center with your, your wife and your kids being able to mm-hmm. see all of the good work that's going on with what you're able to, what, what you're able to donate and what you're able to fund, um, from mission meets. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's cool. actually very cool. Yeah. That's wonderful. So when you when you started, so the mission was part of it, the giving back was part of it. You also have a very high standard for the ingredients that you're using in all of your products. What are those standards? Yeah, so um, we've used strictly non-GMO, 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef, mm-hmm. um, and we want your the ingredient list to not read like it's the back of a shampoo bottle. Like we want you to know. And I'd be able to identify like what it is that's in there um, and for it to be f- familiar to you. Um, and so that's been one of those things where we want products that we're confident in feeding our family, right? Nick's got, you know, three kids as well. Um, and so um, that's been kind of like a non-negotiable for us. Um, the majority of our products have no sugar at all. And the ones that do have sugar, very, very, very little. Um, and so we've, we've stayed away from that as well. Um, and it's, it's an interesting thing because when you're in this industry, those types of products are in there for a reason, right? They're in there because they'll extend the shelf life. Mm-hmm. They're in there because they'll, um, increase yields. And what that means is that you'll get more product per pound of, of meat you put in there and that drives the cost down. And so I know why they're in there and it makes sense, right? It's not like they're totally evil people that are putting the stuff in there. Um, there's a reason for it. Um, we just don't, we just don't like those reasons. Right. And, and so for us, it's like, well, we'd rather have it be a little bit more costly for us and have a little bit less margin, mm-hmm. um, and maybe have a shorter shelf life so that you don't have to put the unpronounceables into your body. Um, and so that's been one of those things from day one. And you get a lot of pressure back from the manufacturing plants sometimes, or, um, you know, from the bean counters, cause it's like, Oh, well that's, that's going to drive your cost up. Like you're not going to have as much margin or you're going to have to move that product a lot faster because it's just not going to stay on the shelf as long. Um, and we just kind of don't care. Um, we're going <laughs> to, you know, we're going to do what we feel like is right. Sure. Um, and we're also at the same time, we're challenging ourselves to get even better. And so um, there are things that we're working on right now that I can't really talk about, but um, that we want, we want to level the product up again. Um, and so um, we're actively pursuing those sorts of things. Sure. It, when you're talking about other companies are putting in more things, more a longer ingredients list, and this makes the meat go farther, you're talking mm-hmm. about fillers, I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. Yep. So mm-hmm. what what constitutes a filler? Is this is this the uh, the corn byproduct kind of thing that you'd see on some labels, or what what is it typically? Do you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a long list of things, um, but, you know, lot, sugars is the number one because, like, right. if you put sugars in there, um, it'll increase yields tremendously because it's very heavy. Mm. It doesn't really cook out of the product, and it allows you to put a lot less of the actual meat in there. Um, you can do that. I mean, you can do the corn syrups. Um, artificial colorings are in there. And this is the artificial coloring is a really interesting one. Typically, it's in the um, casing, um, and they do that because people like to see their they want their their product to look uniform, 
right? So you want it to look all the same on the shelf, even though on the inside they might have added a little bit of extra fats in there. Um, mm. And so you can conceal those extra fats. Um, and it's not that we're against fat. It's just sure. that it, it doesn't look good. It makes for a little bit of a greasier product and the shelf stability is not as well, not mm -hmm. as good. Um, and fats are a lot cheaper. Like you're trying to get some actual meat in your product when you're buying it. So they'll put a colored casing on there so that you can't tell the difference. Um, we, we don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting because folks that are used to buying, you know, some of the conventional product, they'll say, hey, well, I got a package of product here and all 12, they look a little bit different. I'm like, yeah, they should. One would hope, should look, yeah. Should look different, right? <laughs> when, you, when you cook at home, does like every single chicken breast you cook look the same? Does every, is every uh, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, tomato that you're cooking in your dish, does it look, no, they look all look different, right? Mm -hmm. Um, every mushroom look the same? No, they all look different, and they should. They should look different. You're making you're making a, a food, not necessarily a cookie cutter, copy and pasted product, which is what a lot, unfortunately, what a lot of, I guess, consumer packaged goods you would find at your typical grocery store or convenience store are going to be because. People really like that familiarity and like that consistency. When they're buying something that they didn't make themselves, I guess. Like, of course, if you're cooking something in your own kitchen, you're going to see cook chef's error and like a different size tomato or this one had a spot on it or this one's more orange. But I guess, yeah. you know, I, I, I suppose I could see someone's reasoning for wanting to have that uniformity. But when you think about food, yeah, food is not a uniform thing. No, it's really not. It, it's, it's it's a not. naturally occurring, growing thing, whether it's an <laughs> animal or it's a plant. And just like people, right. we all look a little different. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it's interesting. I, it really is. I, I there was an article that I read a couple of years ago, and it was about I think it was the simply orange juice, and the simply orange juice has to have a. a, a the same color. They have to ha pass this standard even. And here I'm thinking that simply is, you know, one of the, the slightly better brands of orange juice. And mm -hmm. uh, even theirs, it has to have the same opaqueness. It has to have the same shade of orange. So it's still modified before it gets put on the shelf because people want that consistent look. And that's a clear yeah. container. Then that's going to be the first thing that they see is that consistency or lack thereof. It's really, it's yeah. really interesting. The food, the food and beverage industry, is a very interesting thing. It's it's fascinating. Well, here's the thing though: is like you can teach that out of people though, right? Like because yeah. that's something that was taught to us. It's like you know, reading um, uh, Little House on the Prairie to the kids, right? Mm -hmm. And they set aside the white sugar, right? The white sugar that was like for when guests came over, right? Like, that was a big deal. The raw sugar, right, that brown stuff, like, you didn't, that was what you guys ate when none of the friends were around, right? You sure. didn't have guests over. And so that was, like, a thing, like, this this highly processed product, like, that was a kind of a, uh, a special occasion sort of thing, right? So that was kind of, like, taught into you, right? And now it's like, what do we want? We want the raw sugar. Like, give me the raw sugar, right? Um, I don't want that white sugar. That's what I put uh, in so my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And you're going to pay extra for it. So mm -hmm. it's like... So it is just one of these things where, like, we, uh, as a society, we'll just have to, like, learn, like, no, we want, you want, you want the ugly fruit 
Like you want the irregularities, right? You want that apple that wasn't sprayed, and so maybe it's got some spots on it, right? Yeah. Um, I don't want that one that's covered in wax. And so it's it is just one of these things where I think where we've learned it, and now we need to unlearn it and mm-hmm. get back to like you know kind of the the real food. I've not yet done it, but a, a few friends of mine have the uh, the some. Uh Oh gosh, maybe I shouldn't product drop on the show, but there's 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 varying programs for this misfit market. I think is one uh-huh. and ugly food, yeah. and I've not sure. done it. But even at the grocery store, um, they would have an an ugly fruit bag or an ugly vegetable bag or something like that that didn't pass that standard. And mm-hmm. I think growing up, I didn't realize that even produce has to had to pass a certain consistency standard for it to be considered shelfable produce and not like ingredient produce because usually all of the ugly fruits those are the ones that are going to be selected to be ingredient fruits from my understanding so at least there's not as much waste but i'm sure there's still a considerable amount of food waste when we go picking through produce um and 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 meat and yeah. just anything, anything that can be standardized, the non-standard right. stuff's going to fall by the wayside. It's such, yeah. But I agree. I think you you said we can unlearn that. Yeah, And we I can. think there's a movement to do that, so. That's right. That gets exciting. Hmm. <laughs> cool. So when you're, when you're doing product development now, what are you looking for? And you, you hinted that you're working on something and can't drop that yet, and that's totally yeah. okay. But when you're looking at new developments, do you pull your existing consumers, or do you, do you and Nick just kind of go into the kitchen and test some stuff out and see what happens? Yeah, so he's the mastermind that's in the meat lab frequently. Um, you know, one once to four times every month, he's in there tinkering and trying some different things. Um, that's how you find the winners. And so um, it's definitely a combination of both. I mean, I think for us, we watch and see kind of what consumer trends are, you know, looking like. Um, flavors we're seeing in other markets, right? Not necessarily meat that we think can pour it over. Mm-hmm. Um, that paired with us just polling the audience and seeing kind of what flavors they want next. And we did a survey like that recently. So um, it's definitely a mix of the two. Um, him and I both like to tinker, probably to a fault. And so we just like an excuse to go and just try some weird stuff. <laughs> we've, tried, we've tried plenty, plenty of weird flavors. No, one of the most recent flavors that I think I saw on your website and listened to on your previous podcast was you came out with a fajita stick. Yeah. So this is actually incorporating a fajita vegetables. I'm going to assume there's green peppers in there, onions yeah. perhaps. So you're, yeah. you've created this combo meat and veggie stick. Not that some of your others don't already have vegetable or vegetable flavor as well, natural flavoring, of course. But yeah. do you do you think you're going to plan on incorporating more sticks that are kind of a combo product for sure yeah it's kind of a fun project um because i mean there's folks that maybe they still eat meat but they don't want to consume as much of it or they're mm-hmm. looking for ways to get some veggies in their in their diet also so yeah the fajita strips 40 percent veggies or 45 percent organic veggies um and that's a, it's actually super delicious um and so it's and it's one of these things where it's like oh there are veggies in here I can't even like you know can't really can't really exactly pick it up but it tastes like a you know fajita meal in your mouth mm-hmm. um, and so we're working on some other um, meat minimizing products like that um, and Nick's actually has worked on and developed a, a totally vegan stick 
Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, and so um, that is almost completely done. Um, I don't know when exactly we'll be fully commercializing it, but it is um, that that's been complete. That was a kind of a tough project for him, but um, yeah, he was able to make something very tasty. I would imagine that being a meat eater himself and being mm-hmm. in originally the meat business, a sustainable agriculture business, he would be able to create a product that is going to satisfy meat eaters and non meat eaters. I find sometimes when I get a, a meat substitute of some sort, sometimes I just want to know that I'm eating something that's filled with vegetables. And sometimes I want to eat something that very much resembles the meat that I don't eat as frequently. I do eat meat. I do mm-hmm. on occasion. Not as often. I would be one of those people that if I had the option, I would reach for the 45% vegetable stick. Or if there was a vegan stick, I'd probably reach for the vegan stick. But I like trying things all across the board. I think it's important mm-hmm. to to know where your food comes and know where the quality of it is. And sometimes, unfortunately, produce is just at, as fault with slave labor and not livable wages. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things to consider <laughs> yeah. that may be a topic for a different day, but lots of things to consider when you're picking out your food. Um, so that's exciting for me. Do you, uh, it's okay if you can't divulge it. Is the, is it a, is it a vegetable based or it is a, is it a still a protein based stick? He has worked on several different, um, sub substitutes. Sure. Um, I don't. I don't remember which any land on. Quite no frankly, worries. I would tell you. Yeah, it's but I all don't good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll look for that in the future. Is that that's maybe on the timeline rolling out in the next like year or so, mm-hmm. or farther in the year or so? Well, I will watch yeah. for that and let me know when that comes out because I would definitely be interested, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners would too. And I love that you're open to that as well because I know yeah. some some people are. It's meat, meat, meat. I'm never going to touch a veggie stick. I'm never going to do this. And like, that's fine. That's their prerogative. That's cool. It's your company. But your mission is also just delivering healthy, quality food. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't always have to be meat either. What do you eat on a daily basis, if you don't mind sharing your your diet or what or you can share your ideal diet if yeah. you want to it's okay you yeah, can eat no. potato chips <laughs> no I, I love potato chips um i'm all over the board man i mean like i said i've got four kids and we're very adventurous in our diet and so i'm, I'm eating it all man mm-hmm. i mean um I, we're not strictly just meat eaters uh M- melissa my wife's um mom went through some cancer treatment a long time ago so we were on like a total raw vegan diet for a while to kind of support her mm-hmm. so you name it we'll, we we eat it and my kids also they're like they're very adventurous we've done a lot of travel and so yeah i could i couldn't tell you what we eat on a normal basis is all over the board all of it all of it all of it <laughs> do you yeah. have a favorite food or still all over the board it's an even more specific food. question i know yeah oh that's a tough one um do I have a favorite food? Um, I'm going to be very, very boring here. So, you know, part of this grocery store upbringing, like we, we had, it was a sandwich shop too. Oh, cool. Um, I'm a sandwich guy. Like I love sandwiches. And my wife, she's, she's a kind of a sandwich hater. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's uh. a sandwich hater. Um, and so then I've got my sandwich buddies, right? So we go <laughs> and we just try different sandwich shops all over the, all over the, the town here. So, um, 
Yeah, so it's not a it's not a food group. Sure. Well, maybe yeah, but it's, no, it's that a, works. A, sandwiches work. It's a, it's a delivery mechanism. Yes, yes. Sandwiches <laughs> have been underrated in my life. I feel like because I went through a period of time, as I think a lot of folks have at some point or another, where I was like, I'm not going to eat bread. Bread's bad for uh-huh. you. It might have yep. been in my mid-20s with some body confidence issues at that time. Who knows? Um, but I just kind of stopped eating it. But then I incorporated it back in. Bread is delicious. I love carbs in moderation. Yeah. Uh, and then Matt, my fiancé, started baking bread prior to the pandemic, though we were we were those people that went out and bought like a shit ton of flour when that happened. Uh-huh. But he was baking before it was cool. And sandwiches. Yeah. 100%. It's, there's such a satisfying thing to a sandwich. So I hear you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I would rather eat a sandwich than a salad all day long. Salads are yeah. not satisfying to me, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish. But. You could make, make a good hearty salad, but sandwiches are just like, to me, if you can pour some love into them, yes. you will... Even my kids are like, Dad, you make the best sandwiches. I'm like, I know. I grew up in a sandwich shop. <laughs> like, there are some certain like techniques involved where you can take that thing, go from like a five to a ten. Yes. Um, so, yeah. There. What kind of a sandwich shop? I'm picturing, so one of my favorite places in Des Moines, and oh my gosh, I'm not able to remember. Did you Did you spend much time in the Des Moines area at all? Not, not a whole lot. I know, Fong's, I know Fong's Pizza. Yes. That's good stuff. They have like three locations now. They expanded. Yeah. Pretty significant. Sure. There's a there is an Italian Italian shop. Is it B and B market or something? I don't remember. Now I'm upset, but it has the best like Italian sandwiches with all the oil and the peppers and mm-hmm. the vinegar and that's where mm-hmm. we do sandwiches. Now I'm hungry. Let's talk about <laughs> your food again, because otherwise I'm gonna <laughs> want a sandwich. So you have the sticks. The sticks were the originals. Then came. Did you say the the strips? The the bar the bars. The bars. And then, and then the and then the jerky and then the fajita strips are like kind of the newer addition. There yeah. we go. I'm getting bars and strips and using those ones synonymously. There we go. Got you. So, yeah. do you test out? You said you will only you're only satisfied with food you feel comfortable feeding to your family. Are they the best taste testers ever, or do they get sick of it? um they're probably getting kind of sick of it um and it's really weird because i thought for sure i would never get sick of you know meats meat snacks but it's like man i have tried a lot of meat snacks i've consumed a stupid amount of meat snacks <laughs> i might be a little tired of eating meat snacks is can i say that out loud yeah i can oh no um that's okay but, you uh, have new yeah, products coming out <laughs> yeah but it's really fun when we get all kinds of you know r&d products um delivered to the house and then we can just create this like taste test and i have them kind of blindly taste them and vote on their best on their favorite ones without knowing the flavors or anything mm-hmm. um so yeah they're they're good taste testers nice good good no one's no one's so far like turned down did you have a flavor that you tried that everyone was just like no don't do that yes oh um, no <laughs> yeah for sure there we did a moroccan bar i actually love oh. it I think it's delicious but it's like you know some middle eastern spices it's very very strong flavor and it has golden raisins in it um, oh, wow. and it's kind of like, uh, there's a, there's a Middle Eastern dish that we mimicked, um, and 
I, I thought it was delicious, and it was universally hated. So um, we have not released that one. I feel like that that would be the one that I would reach for. So yeah. if you come back out with that, you let me know. <laughs> oh, well, that very, would be tasty. I thought it was very good. Yeah. I the sweetness. It's it's nice when there are all flavors presented. Like going back to the spiciness. Like if it's just spicy to be spiced, and just a shock value not so much but like when it has that flavor behind it when it has that sweetness i think it's nice to get the full experience not just be salted like crazy now so you said there's there's very little sugar added Mm -hmm. do you know like when we're talking slim jim and uh gas station kind of kind of jerky and sticks and things like that how much sugar is usually added? Do you have an idea you know, off the top I, of your head? I, I, I don't know just because we've completely stayed, not completely, mostly stayed away from it. So sure. 95% of our product line has no sugar, like nothing added. None, none zero. Um, no, nothing. And then um, our jerkies have a little bit, but it's like, you know, I don't know, it's a, a gram, of, gram of serving or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then uh, our bacon, pork bacon sticks have a little bit of sugar because the bacon's got some sugar in it. But... Um, almost majority of our sticks have no sugar nothing mm-hmm. as far as the other the macros nutrition go do you find that you have a lot of like what's what's your ideal consumer i mean everybody obviously but do you have a lot of athletes it's labeled as keto and keto is a really big deal right now mm-hmm. do you find yeah. that usually people are doing it for the macros or just because they like it or because it's yeah, damn it's, good. <laughs> it's damn good. It's all. It's definitely all over the board, right? So mm-hmm. if you're trying to like stick to a diet, keto, paleo, whole thirty, um, people will keep them at, in their desk drawer and in their car. I mean, I've, I've folks that we talk to, they're like, I have one within reach wherever I'm at because they want to be able to like if they have if hunger strikes, they want to be able to grab that versus a bag of chips like you mentioned or sure. a Snickers bar or something like that. Um, so you've got that. You've also got just busy families that are on the road. Like my, um, they're on the go, I should say. My wife keeps um, snacks with her at all times, right? Because we've got them in the car. Got a you know, hungry kid. It is a, an unhappy kid is an unhappy parent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so just keeping them. We've got half-size sticks for kids. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, and so um, I think, you know, if, if it really is, it kind of runs the gamut, right? If you're an athlete, if you're following a diet, if you're just on the go and you're super busy, there's not a, a really a bad time to have one of our snacks on hand because mm-hmm. it will fill that need one way or the other. I find that when I'm going to and from places and also when we're traveling, it's the hardest time for me to eat well because I'm not mm-hmm. always in control over the restaurants that might be available, usually it's availability. So to have something that is snackable that is going to be preserved to a certain extent, what is the shelf life? You said yours is a little shorter because you don't put any of the nasties in there. What is your typical yeah. shelf life look so our like? Shelf life's, our shelf life is 13 months. Okay. Um, but typically when you, once you're, when you get a product from us, it's probably under two months from production date. Oh, nice. So we're turning products super fast. Yeah. Um, and so the you know the fresher you're getting it, obviously the more tasty it is. Um, and to speak to your point, it's like I'm notorious for eating poorly, or, or maybe not even at all when I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually by the time I get to where I'm going, I've got a headache, or I'm just not. I feel just terrible because I just either I've ate poorly or I didn't eat at all because I was trying to eat better. Sure. Um, and so having that snack to be able to reach for it and just you know f- fill your tummy instead. Um, 
I, it's it's always led led to just just a happier traveler, you know. Right. You think about I've mentioned this a couple times just because I always my brother and me to a certain extent, but I was really I was. I was not the the overly saltiness of the Slim Jim itself was just a bit much for me. You know, this the original yeah. uh, red and yellow tube. Um, <laughs> yes, but that was my brother's gas station pick of choice when we'd be like on the road to Minnesota. We'd go middle upper portion. It's like an eight yeah. hour car ride, and mom would bring so many snacks, and she yeah. would try so hard, but inevitably brother needed a slim gym or something like that from the gas station yeah. that's what i have to relate it to i suppose um no doubt but yeah I, I feel like there are healthier options now perhaps as there's a little bit more of a health wave that is is kind of finding its way into the convenience uh movement as well before mm-hmm. even like 10 15 years ago i feel like any of the healthier snacks were not going to be found in a convenience store type of location so if if you wanted to take something healthy you had to really plan ahead and i don't remember there being that many healthy packaged meat goods at that time either Mm. i've been vegetarian i've been vegan i've been a meat eater i'm still again i don't i really just don't i like to eat food and i like to eat good quality i know where it came from food that's where i'm at right now i don't really enjoy labeling my eating anymore (laughs) but there wasn't for a long time that that corner of the market was just really non-existent was it just i am you started in e-commerce you started mission meats six years ago but did you did do you know why? Like why was that not a thing for a really long time? Was it difficulty in product development or was it availability or what? Like Slim Jim well, had it for a long time and that well, was Well, yeah, I think that, you know, when you're trying to hit mass market like that, um the bigger companies, they're not going to be interested in these little niche markets. Like it's just not interesting to them. There's not a critical mass enough uh, of uh, consumers that are even asking for the product. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to bother with it. Right? It's just all like numbers. And so as it's become more mainstream and as people are becoming more interested to know where their food comes from and actually reading the packaging and the nutritional information and actually caring about the company they're purchasing, purchasing from, um, I think that that need has gotten to where it's it's hit it's hit a critical mass to where they're actually paying attention now, mm-hmm. um, and then they just kind of have no choice but to to you know to adjust and to bring product in that people are are, de- are demanding. Sure. So um, it's the numbers game. It's like anything else. It's like you know when something is um, super niche, it's like a niche within a niche, mm-hmm. and um, the supply chain hasn't caught up, and so those ingredients and those inclusions are expensive. And so then there's only a small number uh, of the uh, percentage of the demographic that can actually even afford the product. They're, you're not going to see it at the gas station. True. That's very true. I yeah. When our Hy-Vee got the uh, health market, you'll know Hy-Vee grocery store because you mm-hmm. were in the Midwest yeah. at one point. Yes, Hy-Vee. It's been on the show a, a few times. One of our previous guests, Axel Brave of Axel Provisions, I said he I was reading the grocery store that his, some of his products are in, I said, H-E-B, is it called H-E-B? He said, no, honey, it's Heb. Is, I guess, the, the South's version of Hy-Vee. So now I have to disclaimer my grocery store. But when they got the health market section, that was really exciting. But I think there was a lot of sticker shock for a lot yeah. of people because they saw a, it was a better quality product, better ingredients, maybe better packaging, better origin, better harvesting. And 
I think a lot of people were really resistant to it for a little while because it was just so expensive. And then slowly people started to catch on like, oh, it's expensive because this is what goes into making our consumer packaged goods food. Like this is, it's cheap for a reason. And I think most of us would agree spending a little bit more money if possible. Unfortunately, it's not always possible. People find Mm -hmm. themselves not in the situation being able to do so, but one would hope that the quality ingredients would start to to win out eventually, and I think they're starting to. Do yeah. you find uh, what is the price point of a couple of your SKUs? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we sell in increments of twelve for the sticks and the bars, so twelve and up, um, and then the the jerkies and bags of three and up, so, so three packs and up, um, all around the twenty two dollar price point. Sure. So 20, 22 bucks for a 12 pack of sticks or, um, you know, around 20, 22 bucks for a three pack of jerky, um, and then on up. And as you buy larger quantities, the price per unit goes down. Um, and then we've created bundles to where you can mix and match a bunch of different flavors and still get the economies of scale there, um, and sit and save. And that, that's been really one of our things too, Julia, is that I don't think they need to be mutually exclusive. Like, I don't think it needs to be, um, ethical and clean and all these things and also insanely expensive yes it's gonna be more expensive than your mass-produced filler garbage food um i shouldn't call it garbage food but some of it kind of is garbage <laughs> some of it's um, okay you can be yeah, honest <laughs> some of it some of it's garbage so it's not gonna it's highly unlikely we'll ever be able to play down in that realm as far as cost but we damn sure don't need to be up in the five dollar stick range or anything like sure. that and so the issues with some of the niche of your products is that you're not getting the economies of scale. And so you're not producing in large enough quantities to where you can drive costs down for production and raw materials and stuff. Um, but when you can get there, and then you can source properly, and then you can have innovations in packaging and, and production, um, then you can start to drive that cost down. If you pair that with some slow but slimmer margins, you really can, you know, you really can get closer mm-hmm. um and so that's been really one of the things that nick has harped on is like we don't we need to make good food accessible to a, the largest percentage of the population possible um so it's not as difficult a choice right um and that's where i get really rubbed really wrong is like when stuff that's super clean and amazing and ethical and they're doing awesome things but their supply chain super inefficient and because of that it's insanely expensive to a point where it seems unjustifiable. That drives me nuts. I don't like that. Um, And so we're constantly looking for ways to increase yields and drive the cost down so that we can pass the savings on to the customer. Um, And that's another reason why for us, that's really another part of our you know, another part of our mission, and we really don't even market um, the fact that we give back and all this stuff. It's there; you can find it on our website. But it's not like our we don't put that. That's not our first foot we put forward. Um, we want to win um, in a, with a clean product. We want to win with the fact that you can identify all the ingredients and that it's delicious. If you like those things, cool, we win. Um, and uh, oh, by the way, we give back. And if that's something that you're interested in cool we win there if you don't that's okay we're gonna do it anyways <laughs> even it's in the about you about us section on your website like hey by the way we do this too it's really cool i like that yeah. I, I i always appreciate i appreciate both i appreciate the humbleness of companies that are like we're gonna serve you a super awesome product and then we're gonna do this too 
It's mm-hmm. and it's in your title if folks are looking at it too. And you actually have a podcast as well. Are you mm-hmm. gonna let's see? So the last episode was out. I just re-listened to it today. The last episode happened last spring, twenty twenty spring or so. You were gonna take a summer break. What do you think? Did COVID <laughs> just like completely derail it, or are you uh, coming back someday? I don't know. I, here's the thing. It's you like, don't have to make a decision right now, man. <laughs> no, no, I know. It's, it's like my art project, and um, I love podcasting. I love talking to people. Um, I love talking shop. I love learning about what others are working on and their mission. Um, but we just, we've just we got too many things going on. Yeah. And so it, has, it was supposed to be a summer break. We we're ending season one, and then it hasn't come back. It may. It may. Mm-hmm. Well, it's yet to be determined. What was the premise behind this is that's the second podcast you've done is that mm-hmm. right? What was yeah. the premise behind the Live Your Mission podcast? What kind of guests did you have on? Yeah, so it was uh, founders that had a mission component baked into their company. Um, and so we'd learn about what the mission was, what the business was all about, and kind of how it all tied together. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to, for us, it was like sharing that story so that folks that were in kind of um, if they're in business and they wanted to bake a mission into their company, they could see kind of how others have done that. Um, and also, quite frankly, to shake people up and say, hey, you know, uh, you know, I'm working on something. It pays the bills, but it's really, I, it's, I don't have a passion behind it. It's not my mission. I need to find one, right? Sure. And it's not that you just like up and leave your company or your job, but that you can just at least pause and reflect on what it is you're doing, what purpose there is behind it, and, and what you could add to it. What was the first podcast that you'd done? It's called Slow Hustle. Slow Hustle. Was that more of like a business uh, coaching kind of podcast or what was that one like? Um, so uh, it was born out of the fact that I feel like every entrepreneur that I know, including myself, runs kind of like a more of a manic personality where you're like, you have extreme highs and extreme lows. I don't know and what you're talking about, Peter. I, I did, right? <laughs> right? And so um, I, I kind of wanted to flush that out and kind of figure out how to level out the, the peaks and valleys, um, as a guest said previously, and to really kind of bring to the surface that um, it's not work-life balance. Like the, I, I don't believe in that. Um, I think we're, it's, it's work, you're, you're living at work and you're living at home, but just life, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's no work-life balance. And so it's more so kind of like seeing how they intersect, um, how they interact, and um, just really kind of like taking maybe like a, a marathon approach to it and understanding like this is, life is all process, mm-hmm. right? It's just like process, 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 and then you die. And so, <laughs> if, sad. And, and, <laughs> sad. So it's understanding that, it's just like a, just appreciating the moment still being driven, not like getting rid of any of that like drive to, to succeed, but just like appreciating the moment and not getting like sucked into uh, the treadmill of like constant growth and constant improvement and letting that kind of get you down. Um, and so that was, you know, kind of in a nutshell what Slow Hustle was about. And that we did a couple hundred episodes over the course of a, a couple of years. Um, that was a really, really fun project. Mm. Can we still find those two podcasts out in the interwebs or have those dissolved into? Cyber- Live your missions up. Slow Hustle, I think, can no longer be found. Oh, so that, no. I, yeah, I think there's a, about a year ago I, I, took, I took everything down. Okay. So, Guess you have to do it yeah. again. 
<laughs> sometime. But the wisdom lives on. And at the end of every episode, I always like to ask our guests, do you have any suggestions? Do you have any advice, any books, any quotes that you have for either entrepreneurs along the lines of the OG podcast or for consumers or both? Yeah. Um, it's a tough question to answer. I think that um, my advice usually can be summed up in to pay attention. Um, and so, like, pay attention to the life you're living and um, the food that you're eating and the choices that you're making and, and um, just not – don't run your, your life on autopilot. Like, really pay attention to, you know, what brings you purpose and fulfillment mm-hmm. And what doesn't, what bogs you down and what lifts you up and just try to get more of one and less of the other. Um, I think too often we're just like running around in circles and just trying to get to the end of the to-do list um, and all the while like time is passing um, and you're not paying attention to your health, your mental health, your physical health. You're not paying attention to your family. Um, You're not really keeping your priorities straight. Instead, you're just getting kind of sucked into society and what you're supposed to be doing. So Mm -hmm. um, I guess my advice would just be to pay attention. I feel that. That's beautiful advice. Just being aware of what's going on and doing some self-inquiry and also just (laughs) where am I spending my time and energy? I feel like that's the question I keep having to ask myself. Like why, why am I tired? And if I'm tired... What, what could I do differently? Like that, that sense of being manic and just kind of highs and lows and running around. Yeah, sometimes I don't feel like there's a middle ground. And I'm also a yoga teacher, and you'd think I would have found that by now. But if I did, <laughs> I <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> and we're always kind of learning. But what is, what is something that you use? What's, what's your self-inquiry tool? What's your awareness tool just to check in and see how you're doing business, home, life? not having a balance, but also being yeah. sane. Yeah, it changes for me quite frequently. But this last eight months, I've been carrying around this planner. Um, you find it on Amazon. What the heck is it called? It's called the Legend Planner. Um, and I just landed on that one because I like the way that it was structured. Um, but in it, uh, it's got um, – let me grab it real quick. Sure. It's always by my side. Um, there, Yeah, and there's there's a lot of different sections in here. But um, initially, you fill out um, your, you know, awareness and self-discovery. So, like what, what brings you joy and good feelings? What would you do if money wasn't an issue? What's most important in your life? What do you want to give back in the world? What's mm. a successful life look like? What's a perfect day look like, right? Um, and so, I've got that filled out. And it's, it's, I, I filled it all out in pencil um, because things change. And I race and I add. And as I have epiphanies, I'll write them down and just, like, have it just kind of be a living document. Um, and so... And I'm going through my dream. There's a list of dreams in there. And you've got like your one-year goals, which break down into three-month goals and one-month goals and one-week goals, right? Um, so kind of like planning from behind kind of thing. Um, and so I'm reviewing that on uh, a weekly basis just to be reminded of like, oh, yeah, that's right. Shit, I, I wrote that down. That's important. Sure. I, I remember. And I feel like that is important to be reminded and kind of recentered because – um, I don't know about you, I'm pretty freaking dense and I'll learn something and then I'll forget it. <laughs> oh, right? yeah. So I got to be reminded like, oh, that's right. That's what I wanted to do. Um, I wrote that down two days ago. I was really inspired and now I've already forgotten about it 48 hours mm-hmm. later. Um, and then just having like a weekly plan and then there's a habit tracker in here that I check off the, the six things that I'm really focused on this week. Um, five things. 
and just that constant reminder of like, yes, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. This is what's important to me. These are my priorities. These are the habits I'm trying to build, et cetera. Nice. Thank you so much for that because I think that's something that I, I, don't, I didn't have a planner for a long time. And when I got one and I, get, I have a similar one like that where it has the habits and here's your year in advance. What do you want it to look like? Mm-hmm. I think I just, I, I'm such a visual person. I need something in front of me. And I need to have a roadmap, essentially, of where do I want to be? What's my course to get there? Now, where am I? How many wrong turns did I take? And what is it going to take to get back on? And not necessarily that concrete, well, for me, unfortunately, my type A self really likes pens, not pencils. Mm. And that's <laughs> a big problem. Um, but So I like that you use a pencil for yours. I might have to adopt that because I'm not as good as a... Uh, crossing yeah. out my my pen scribbles but yeah that's it, it's such a simple tool and i think it's sometimes overlooked but to hear you say that it's nice to know that i'm not alone in needing my paper and pen or pencil planner mm-hmm. and not just my google calendar yeah well here's the thing is like if you don't do it uh, life's gonna happen anyways and yeah. so you'll be like oh where'd the year go oh i told you where it went it went <laughs> in the unplanned category yes. um and you know it's like if, if if you don't plan if you don't plan on where you're gonna go then it's just gonna life's just gonna come at you the pencil is actually it's the first time i've ever done anything in pencil um so i'm with you on the pen thing mm-hmm. um and it was actually the only reason that i got this like i've made any progress in it is because I felt like otherwise I needed to have it all planned out perfectly and I had to have it all written out perfectly and that was too daunting for me. It was too big of a task. Um, plus, life changes, right? Your, your needs change, your desires change. And so being realizing like, oh, I can just fill this out in pencil. That was just like kind of liberating. Like, oh, I'll just fill out whatever then, right? And I could just kind of brain dump in this thing and then I can change it as I go along. Um, allowed me to actually get started and then it's also allowed me to say oh no this is like this is not written in stone this is what i want right now mm-hmm. but in a month right now if that changes i can just erase it and i can add something else that's okay because it's in pencil um so it's really kind of a stupid little thing but it um had tremendous implications for me anyways for sure i will be implementing that because that that is my difficulty i was just talking to a friend yesterday her child and I have very similar <laughs> neuroses, like sticker anxiety. <laughs> have you heard of sticker anxiety once you get a sticker? No. If you're a ch- your children clearly don't have this. I did. People are going to think I'm crazy. They're not wrong. But <laughs> if I got a sticker as a child or even as an adult, once you stick that sticker on something, it's not coming off. So you must mm. find that perfect spot for the sticker. It's the childlike version of, here's my pen. You know, mm-hmm. if, if I write this down in pen, I can't erase it. It has to be set in stone. And if I don't do the thing that I wrote in pen, then clearly I'm a failure because it's not changeable. I'm mm-hmm. gonna get I'm gonna get more pencils starting like <laughs> now. <laughs> nice. Oh man, thank you so much, Peter, for being on and sharing about Mission Meets your company, live your mission, the podcast, and just the 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 motto that you live by i think it's a beautiful mission it's a beautiful company and i'm excited to see all of the developments that are coming out in the next year or so seeing new flavors i always love a good r&d flavor um (laughs) search i suppose and seeing the results so we again we can find you at missionmeets.co 
And uh, if at some point CO is no longer working, try .com because maybe the M will get tacked on the end there eventually. (laughs) We shall see. And then you are at Mission Meets on Instagram too. Can we find Mm -hmm. you anywhere else? Are you on YouTube, Facebook, I assume? We're on Facebook. We're on we're on YouTube. You can find us on the Mission Meets at both those places. Mission Meets at both. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, yep. guys. Again, this has been Peter Awad of Mission Meets and myself, Julie.